You're listening to the PR Wind Down Podcast, the show for public relations professionals who are ready to see real change in the PR industry. We are your hosts, April White and Laura Schooler. Let's get ready to wind down. So, Laura. Yes. I got a new management company for acting. Oh, really? Different than the one than the last time I saw you? Signed by ITS. That's the new company, ITS. What is this going to bring you? So How is this different? They're more bi-coastal, less LA focused. And then they work with a lot of people that I am in class with and they find a lot of auditions. So they're like very good at booking you for stuff. Are they like based in LA or New York or they've got offices in both? They're based East Coast, like Philadelphia, New York. So you'll be next year's Super Bowl halftime entertainment, maybe? I mean, I think that between here and there, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a totally realistic goal that I'm going to share with you. It's not on my radar. But I like that that's what you think is going to happen. So let's go with that. Okay. All right. So, Laura, do you want to do the honors and read the horror story since I'm still working with my... Mike, yes. All right. Let me take a sip of water. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hi, April and Laura. I feel bad even writing this. Oh, my God. Okay. I think I hate my intern. I know that's so terrible, but I'm at my wits end with this kid. I want to preface this by saying that I really like being a manager. I am an account manager now, tech brand, so lots of detail-oriented, techie, CEO-level clients, and I really enjoy teaching the junior people about PR. I love it, and I love helping others learn it and love it too. So I was really happy to get my first intern under our agency's internship program for the spring semester, but from day one, it has been a nightmare. I'll just use one example, media briefers. I have been teaching slash assigning media briefers to this intern, and the first one was pretty bad. As expected, she is learning. So I gave really detailed feedback in writing via email and asked the intern to revise the memo. She returned it to me with, and I am not kidding, one sentence changed. I thought maybe she did not understand my feedback. So I went into the Word doc and left comments demonstrating what to change thanked her for the effort, and asked her to try again. She returns it to me again with half of the edits applied and just riddled with grammar errors and some obvious copy-paste formatting issues from sentences she's probably Googled. I think, okay, this person might not do well with written instructions. So I sat down with her and talked through the edits the reasons for my changes, the errors I saw, and the importance of sending polished work, especially to clients. The meeting went well, and I was relieved. Until I got back. And again, the old errors were replaced with spelling issues and half-hearted attempts to apply my feedback. Some of my own comments were not even deleted, 
And there was a whole section pasted in, unchanged, from a completely unrelated client's briefer. This is just one example. It's like pulling teeth with every single task. I keep trying different approaches, but I find myself getting more frustrated and judgmental of this person. I don't know what to do. Losing my mind and failing at my job. Yeah, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed for this for them right now. I mean, what's frustrating in those situations is you don't understand if it's a lack of motivation on their part, or if you're not motivating them properly, if there's some way to motivate them better, if they're just not cut out for the job, if they just don't care enough, are they not being paid enough? Like, <laughs> like, like it's, I think that's where my mind goes is I would just drive myself crazy with trying to understand why this is happening. So it's totally frustrating and I've been there and usually I'm not, I'm not a patient person. I'll just be like, whatever, I'll just do it myself. But I'm also not an impatient person. This is what I might've done. Instead of explaining what to do, I would just, in this first instance, assuming this is the first time that they've done it, I would just redline it to show the person what needed to be changed and how. And then in person or, you know, verbally explain to them, here's all the changes I made and this is why. Because this kind of stuff might be like a real foreign language to this person. They might have no context at all. Right, what you, what you think is simple and straightforward and obvious. Right. It's like you're you're speaking like Sanskrit to them, possibly. Okay, so you might have to go through this exercise a few times. That's the best case scenario. Where my actual heart and mind goes to on this, as this person <laughs> is not cut out for this work and or they don't really care. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe I'll make a glass half empty type of gal. <laughs> So I have, I, this wasn't an intern. This was, it was, it was crazy. This was a, a pretty senior person at a job I had. This was years ago. And I was an in-house PR person and we were putting out a release and writing and drafting and editing it in-house, right? So I got this person's press release draft and I redlined it to show her what my edit suggestions were. Some of the red lines were actual like, you know, rewriting of sentences or adding things in other of my red lines were notes and comments like you know do we really want to say this or you know maybe we shouldn't you know put this number in or whatever like in parentheses so it was a combination i sent it back to this person and they just accepted all edits and sent it out it literally had my comments in it in caps like yeah this probably doesn't work for this one like in the release that went out oh my goodness so a hundred percent was just not bothered to read. Why, why would you just accept what somebody said? Maybe you totally disagreed with it, let alone the fact that like there was other kinds of comments in there. And this person drove me crazy in this regard. Always. It was this weird level of willfully not paying attention and off on some other tangent. You know, and I don't know how people like, and she stayed that she might even still be there and was, very, you know, moved up the, the ranks. 
Ugh. Do we have any advice for this person that wrote in? How well, my advice was to read, like, to actually do I, the edits. Don't explain what the edits should be. Do the edits and explain those. Yeah. And you might have to do that twice. And then the third time, suggest the type of edits. And if after the third time, you're still getting, like, Just horrible stuff back, you probably have a, an issue that's not easily solved. Or only easily solved when the internship is over. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Right. And so you can't give this person this type of task. And as we know in PR, if it's just media relations kind of stuff and not events or whatever, a lot of the work is writing and making media lists and researching stuff. And, and I don't think a lot of people understand that most PR is that. I think they think they're going to go to, you know, movie openings and stuff and run around the red carpet. And when they find out they have to do what they consider to be like, I don't even understand what this is type writing and, and, you know, research. I think a lot of those people do something else for a living in the end. Yeah. Well, I think with that, it's a wrap on the horror story and we can move on to our news of the day. What do you think? Yes. I love the news because I'm in PR. <laughs> oh, this was a great story. This woman, Eleanor Hawkins, writes Axios Communicators. And it's this great section of Axios, like all about PR. A couple of weeks ago, she did this story about challenger, in quotes, challenger firms rising, top PR talent defect from big agencies. And I was like, ooh. So I was so into it that I went through and I looked up every person and challenger firm who was mentioned or quoted in the story. And I like followed them on LinkedIn and I oh, even cool. had a call with somebody in the story. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because while it's not easy to get a like big client as an independent, as you know, you're, it's hard to get like a, you know, massive company. So if these challenger PR firms are rising up, from people who are very deep into the industries that they're in and have done a lot of work and have a lot of deep relationships and you know client connections, they actually may be able more and more to start getting you know the bigger clients away from the giant agencies. As you may have also heard, BCW is merging with Hill and Knowlton, and they are going to in the summer be called Burson. So the big agencies are consolidating and getting bigger and bigger, but more of these challenger firms, which I know you're going to say, well, that's not new. I started one and there's tons of agencies, but this story is about high level people at the big agencies starting their own high level strategic firms. So let's see how the PR industry changes and maybe these small firms will start stealing or winning, we should say, real big ticket customers. Because as we know, a lot of success in PR is about the people who are doing the work and not as much the agency that they work for. Although that's not 100% true, but it's more than half, I think, of the success. I mean, it's certainly an interesting moment for this to be happening with you know with the PR industry basically bracing for a volatile 2024 and that she linked to a report actually that's quite interesting 
by Davis and Gilbert, and they did a 2023 public relations industry trends report in 2021 and 2022, 81% of firms expected increased revenue, but in 2023, it dropped to 42%, and then 44% expected decreased revenue. Mm -hmm. It says in the report, firms with 50 to 99 employees were hit the hardest with revenue and profit decreases, although firms of all sizes experienced weaker financial performance than in 2021 and 2022. So basically, the bigger firms were actually hit really badly last year, which I wonder if that's not playing into the fact that these people are going out on their own because they're seeing an opportunity to do something with lower overhead and maybe higher profit margins. Right. And and offering service to these clients at a lower price point than the big agencies. I mean, as I said, I don't think this is necessarily new, but it might be a new twist on people starting their own agencies, or it might be bigger growth, you know, more of these types of firms popping up, maybe among well-known people who you would never thought would leave whatever big agency that they're with. So yeah, and as a freelance consultant person, I'm always looking for opportunities to help out at, well, any agency. I've been working with big and small, but particularly small agencies who are a little bit more nimble and able to hire, bring people on without having to go through layers of approvals or, you know, figure out the math equation that's like a giant account team at a big agency, et cetera. Yeah. So Eleanor Hawkins is the author of this article. Yeah. She's the woman who writes like every week this stuff. If you don't follow her on whatever, do, because it's pretty interesting stuff. She wrote about this report, this Davis and Gilbert report I referenced earlier that she hyperlinks. She said that firms' biggest concerns include client budgets remaining flat or decreasing and the rising cost of talent and retaining existing talent for the report. As she says, leaders of challenger firms argue they can solve these concerns by attracting talent who crave ambitious projects and remote work models and clients with high demands but shrinking budgets. And plus, the addition of artificial intelligence will empower smaller firms to work faster and smarter with fewer people. Gone are the days of billing several hours of work for a press release, briefing document, or media list. Instead, firms will need to serve as trusted strategic advisors who can guide the new generation of C-suite leaders, according to the One Strategy Group president, Brian Elder. This is an interesting time in the industry, to say the least. So what are your thoughts about it? I would say... I'm glad that I'm not currently leading or at a giant PR agency because I do think that those are the ones that are going to have the hardest time. If the economy is starting to hit clients in a way where they're trying to downscale and there's not much you can do, right? So there are certain firms that just can't afford to drop below a certain level of retainers. And I think that they're going to probably... Unless they're in industries that are that are more stable, for example, I've noticed health tech and yeah, health, stable right. regardless. So, you know, if you're in that space, it's a different story. But if you're, I mean, you know, even IT is starting to get hit. So we had a client recently who started losing their IT clients. Yeah, my, my small window into it is that PR budgets are certainly not going up, but inflation's going up. So your costs are more, your salaries are more, but you're getting paid the same that you've been getting for the past couple of years. And so it's hard as, like you said, it's harder to maneuver in that when you're at a big agency or a big agency that's tied to a publicly traded corporation, et cetera. 
Oh, I'm reading in the article too that Amazon and Boeing alums recently joined forces to launch Shallot Communications and a collective of former Twitter executives opened the strategic communications advisory called Blue Owl Group. Now, if you worked at Boeing, I can imagine you would run for the hills. Oh my God, that company's got more communications and, and brand issues than any company ever in my lifetime, I think. Tesla. Yeah, but airplanes are so frightening to people that like doors flying off and bolts not having, like they found that the, there was not bolts. Like they just put the door up and they were like, okay, good. Without like bolting it onto the plane. Is that what I read? I mean, I don't know how you like. So anyway, these are very, they could be very, very, very seasoned, smart, brilliant people who are like, oh my God, I can't work at this company anymore. So anyway, I would like, if any of those people are listening to this, I would like to be friends with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I probably did befriend you on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I mean, I even talked to two people just today, just today who are mentioning how hard it's been to get a PR job. So actually three people. One person said that every single person they see on LinkedIn now has the green circle, meaning that they're looking for work. Yep. And another person told me that they've been applying for you know full-time jobs for a while. Someone else recently said that they got laid off from a giant company, like a big, big company that they were in-house mm-hmm. and now had to do a social media job instead of a PR job at another big company. And then one other person mentioned to me that her friend had gotten laid off and is looking for freelance work. I think the other trick of it for people that are not necessarily leading agencies, but working at them is that the jobs now are few and far between as well. So it's smart to stay where you are, I think. Right. I think it's going to be harder and harder. And the salaries that people were demanding before, I think, are... Right. During the pandemic, the crazy salaries, there's just... Like everyone is getting these insane salaries and and asking for these really big salaries, even at junior levels. And now it's, I don't know if anybody's going to get paid what even what they are now. If they got what they wanted back then, you know... Right. It's not going to go up at best. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Some people are magical at getting more money, but... But and I also think that the quality of work may suffer, yeah, which then puts a, a strain on agency client relationships because they're going to have to start using much more junior people to yeah. do a bulk of the work to save the money. So, so challenger firms like Trust Relations, for example, mm-hmm. I think are actually in better position because we can handle clients at a much lower retainer entry point. And so if we're able to go get some of the brands that aren't going to go dark on PR, but can't keep spending 20 a month, if we land a few of those big household brand names or those big brands that everyone recognizes, then we're set up for success for the rest of our existence, right? As an agency. And and can you get more senior level, senior-ish to senior level help because you you don't have to have as big of a margin because you don't have overhead in the same way that a company that's got like a big office and you know I mean part of the reason I have been virtual is to make sure that people that are qualified to be leading accounts are leading them and that senior people with actual experience are still working day to day or overseeing day to day the account yeah and not 
having a bunch of accounts led by 20 something straight out of college, which is frankly the only way to be profitable if you do have that level of overhead, you know? Right. They, that was the only way for them to really make any real money. That is part of the reason these challenger firms, I assume, are existing and they can attract people who don't want to work in that big agency environment. They can attract people who are like, oh, you're an agency who focuses on these two industries and that's my bag and I love that. And then that's what they get to work on. So they're motivated, they're happy, they're successful. There's a, a lot of benefits to it. So, And then AI, as it says in the story, could yeah. help to do some of the admin work faster, but list building research ideas, all of that AI helps a lot. Something that may have taken days can now take, you know, an hour. I mean, I know that myself, I've done it. Yeah. All right. So I think that we covered that. I feel good about that conversation. Do you feel good about it? Anything else you want to add? I feel so good about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So Laura, do you want to wrap it up? I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in for the PR Wind Down podcast. Remember to submit your own agency stories and questions and to share our show with your friends and colleagues. If you subscribe and leave us a rating, it will help us to reach new listeners like you. Can't wait to wind down with wind you. you again next time. I, I see kitty hello kitty oh look at the kitty like do you hear that he's like f***ing with the bowl in the background i can't crazy. hear it but i see him it's so funny like you can't hear it it's just so loud it's it's loud here but if it's not loud for you it's fine